news. Fizzy water is probably healthy. Oh. Okay. Didn't it? Pulled, yeah. Didn't do anything? Pulled the nickel out after a week. Bright and shiny. Nothing, uh, so I got a penny in there now. Okay, good. With cherry flavor seltzer water. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Did you uh, lick the nickel after it was in that water? For no. I'm going to drink the water, just like throw it back. But then I thought about how embarrassing it would be to choke on the nickel. And the odds are pretty good that I would do that. So I just like took the nickel out, inspected it for damage or to alterations to Thomas Jefferson's features. And, uh, you know, when someone dies and then like, they don't really say the reason that they die, but like their, their obituary says like, if you want to like, instead of sending flowers, make a donation in lieu of whatever. I wonder if you had died from accidentally swallowing a nickel that had been fizzy water. Family obviously doesn't want that published. They'd be like, in lieu of flowers, please make a donation to what would that, what would that cause be? I don't even know. Just awareness of I don't know. Like that would be funny because you'd have to like dig in, like kind of like you or yeah. kind of other friends. You'd be like, what happened with like they'd have to like suss out. It's like the family's being kind of weird about it. There's like rumors would start. It's like I heard he choked on a, a nickel. Like, <laughs> At the end, it has like you know your whole life story and everything like that, and then it's just like hashtag abolish the nickel. Yeah. We're like, oh, he swallowed a nickel. He's be, yeah, yeah. It'd be a campaign to abolish small coinage. Yeah. Small coins should have warnings. Yeah. That would be embarrassing. Like, yeah. Like, I thought he was joking. Like it was just some this it was the the stupidest experiment imaginable. And I thought it was I thought it was kind of just some sort of joke, but yeah, no, he died. He died. Well, I have some ideas. Uh, today, I had the day off. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, the significant other was at work. I was just with the dogs. And I had two really dumb ideas across my brain. And they kind of stuck there. And I, I wanted to run them by you. Are you game? Okay. Oh, yeah. The first one, um, to let the listener know, we have a big snowstorm that just hit us. So we have a ton of snow, two feet of snow hit our area um it's been a pain to clear the roads clear your sidewalks like on uh get the snow away from your car that kind of stuff so i was thinking um uh robot robots Mm -hmm. snow robots okay yeah and they just you turn them on and you put them in like a neighborhood and just and then this robot goes and clears your snow out I was thinking, like, it doesn't even have to have, like, a like a plow. Maybe it just takes the snow, and then it, like, poops out a water bottle of water. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Pretty good idea, huh? Well. And then just, like, if it goes to a house, it just leaves all these water bottles, and you can use those wa- that water for your house. So it would be, like, basically a fire robot. I don't know if you're getting the plastic in there to have them poop out water bottles but i'm I'm like a big i think it had to be bigger than like i was thinking a roomba yeah yeah that's what i was kind of thinking it was like a roomba but let's make it bigger bigger. yes like let's think think like hot dog vendor 
on the streets of New York, like the hot dog vendor's cart. Yeah. And it somehow heats up the snow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and I don't then know. everything floods would be the downside. Now you got to do something with the snow. You can't make the snow disappear. Because I think, I think that's how the key thing with the snow is it helps, you know, nature or whatever. Well, yeah, the moisture. Yeah, yeah. It's just a pain to. Uh, but I was just thinking but, snow, snow robots. Just yeah, like. I mean, they have plows that are driven by humans that plow the streets. But here's the you issue is sidewalks. Plows uh, kind of you get plowed in. So now you send out yeah. the snow robots. They clear paths to your car. And then you're all set. Yeah. It's just a matter of what they do with the snow. Sounds like a pretty good way to bankrupt a city is to buy snow robots. You'd probably get in trouble if you tried to uh, introduce that. Yeah, into a, like, you get a lot of red tape to, right. to get the funding. And then we don't know how to turn off the snow robots. Anyway, this is just an idea that crossed Oh, mind. it turns into like a Westworld type thing. The snow robots gain sentience. I was talking to my dad and we were talking about like shoveling and whatnot. And we were making jokes that we should get uh, flamethrowers and just, uh, just you know, offer to, to remove snow from people's houses. But yeah. you don't have a shovel, you have a flamethrower and people don't realize that. And then That'd be cool. Kind of funny. That'd, I don't know. That'd be fun. That's not my other idea. But that was just a secondary idea. I like flamethrowers better than the snow robot. You do? Yeah. Okay. Um, I came up with a the start of a story story idea. All right, you ready? I was watching TV. You know those commercials where like a car is doing something, driving through mud or whatever, and then I noticed like really quickly like the like the warning underneath like do not attempt to do this, blah blah blah, and like, you know these are yeah, yeah. drivers all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's so quick they can't read it at all, right? So my idea was the story is is the guy who has to write all those things like the first sentence makes sense and then the second one is complete nonsense or is it like I don't know he kind of does his own thing because no one checks on it yeah uh, yeah what about that I like it so what I think should happen it's he he kind of discovers by accident that nobody catches on to the Sense. Oh, that's so a good. I, that's good. I, I like that. Yeah, right. And then it like there's a, there's an editing error and like a bunch of gibberish got posted and it, it, it filtered through and nobody notices. Oh. So then he starts like subliminally, uh, you know. Yeah. That, no, that's really smart. There. Yeah, because let's say he makes a mistake and then they, his, he's worried his bosses are gonna be. Yeah. Like, and nobody notices. And nobody then he notices. starts. And then he goes. Oh. You know. Yeah. There's a lot here. Yeah, yeah. That's there's not a lot in that story idea, but I was just like, it subliminally affects people. Reminded me of Fight Club. They do stuff like that, sort of in Fight Club. And I I do believe it's sort of the plot of Halloween Three. Not exactly. Halloween Three was that weird one without Michael Myers. Why are you asking if I've seen Halloween? I've not seen. I didn't ask Halloween. Halloween. You just you're like Halloween. A lot of the time. When I discuss these movies, I'm talking to the audience okay. who has seen them. I've seen Fight Club. There's a whole brainwashing children through stuff on TV. Is the plot. It's That's a terrible cool. movie and I haven't seen it in a long time. But anyway, those are... But I think you could ring... It's a good story. Good screenplay idea. I, I mean, that's just, you know, this is just my day off and these are the ideas. Those are... With. Pretty good. 
That's a so, productive day. Yeah, I also took a very long nap today. Nice. Sounds like a good day. Pretty good day. This reading too, so. Uh, today also we're gonna be talking about our March book selection. So let's get this show started. Welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books, snow robots, and that's about it. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, we have to do our March nominations for our book. It's the middle of March. Mm -hmm. We like to play fast and loose with the rules of our own games. We'll also be talking about books we're reading. You finished a book. Uh, and you checked out some more books in the library. Where do you want to start this week? Let me talk about the one I read. Okay. I wasn't going to bring it up. It's one of those books I was reading kind of in secret. <laughs> like I wasn't going to talk about it. But I yeah. finished it. I actually really, I liked it a lot. Okay. It's kind of, it's nonfiction. It's one of those, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Have you ever read William Blake? No. So I've been kind of getting into him kind of uh, secretly off on my own. Can you give me a background of William Blake? Because in my mind, is he religious? or am I... Sort of. He's a Gnostic. And I've okay. been getting into Gnosticism a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, lately, secretly on my own. Uh, like you just you said it out loud on a podcast. So he uses a lot of Gnostic imagery. He was like in the the late 1700s. Okay, and a lot of poet poetry. He did that tiger, tiger burning bright. Okay, that, I, I, oh, the uh, name he, is familiar. I just don't. I'm not familiar with his writing. Grind your bones over the or drive your plow over the bones of the dead. Yeah, that comes from his poem. Like, okay, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. You're like, oh, I didn't know he. He originated certain phrases. Okay. Anyway, he he was he's an interesting guy. He kind of reappropriated religious imagery to fit into his whole his entire his world schema, his reason for being and his creation. The the Philip Pullman book I read this summer kind of pointed me in that direction. He, non- he was very is good. Is that the nonfiction one you read? Demon voices. Okay. And it, he really Pullman elucidated a lot of stuff about Blake that kind of made it it seem intriguing and i went in there kind of looking for that okay. type of stuff and it was is you know it's, it's fascinating it's fun to read um but i got this book called my business is to create hmm. um blake's infinite writing oh. by eric wilson it's like a little 90 page book just kind of about blake's creative process kind of distilled into a really lucid compelling form so it's basically about creativity writing being an artist did did blake write about his creative process and then this author sort of taking that and then like expanding on it or sort of like delving deeper into what blake is saying basically blake's work blake's poetry and stuff like that and kind of distilled it and just picked out the parts that were kind of about artistry i guess okay. and i don't like talking about that stuff or i didn't want to hear because it sounds super pretentious but it <laughs> hey, really is that's interesting it's a fascinating book it's really good you'd like it it's one of those uh it deserves to be people talk about like the books on writing yeah stephen king's book on writing um david mamet's three uses of the knife there are like certain books that are famous um 
this deserves to be in that category. It's really good. I'd never heard of it before, but it, it was, you know. That sounds interesting. I, I really like hearing how writers talk about their writing. And I think it's probably one of the things that writers like to talk about most is how they write. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like a perfect combination of like, just like when they work, how they work, they're like, they're like methods, the rules. Everyone seems to have rules, you know, yeah, for like how to create or whatever. I just, I always find that stuff fascinating. Me too. I, There's a whole, yeah, there was a whole coffee table book that I read. It was just about writers and their routines. Yeah. I get up at six, six in the morning, have a hard boiled egg and three hour, you know, like whatever it There's is. There's always like a word it. count. There's like some writers split it up mornings and nights. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I was, was, is there a one particular thing that Blake did that stood out as far as this is more, and this wasn't like his root physical ritual. Okay. It was more about breaking down his worldview because he had a really, it's hard to describe and it's kind of hard to get into. I tried when I was in like high school and stuff, but I didn't really understand it because it is a lot of poetry and he made up like his own gods, his own like creation myths, like Urizen and Los, and he has all these, and it's kind of intimidating and dense to get through, but mm-hmm. it, it, the Pullman book kind of helped me figure out what Blake was aiming at, and then okay. um, this book really distilled it even further, so um, Blake's whole thing was he created his own mythology, kind of reappropriated the religious tradition, and then kind of t- turned it into a way of saying what he wanted to say. And that this kind of, there's a famous Blake quote, um, I must create my own system or be enslaved by another man's. Hmm. Okay. Which basically means, you know, creating original art. And kind of one of the things that sticks with me was uh, Eric Wilson talks about the way to get past kind of old traditions and things that don't really work anymore like the, the impulse is, and you see a lot of people trying to try to do it all the time, is just throw it all out. Mm-hmm. You know, those all, you know, these old ways don't work anymore and just, you know, like, you know, set it on fire, throw it all away. And it's like, no, that stuff has a whole more of a hold on you than you realize. So you have to kind of, it is ironic reappropriation. It's kind of what he called it. Huh. You know, you kind of get the, take, take the good, and then kind of base your worldview or your art on the kind of old traditions and then kind of subtly reappropriate things too. It it sounds sort of like a philosophy book in a way, sort of what you read. Yeah, it's like the philosophy of art Hmm, is good. It does sound pretentious, but it also sounds interesting too. It's pretty pretentious, but if you're into that sort of it's only certain types of people would like it. You know, but if you're into that sort of thing, it's you know, okay, nice, right? Your speed, um, yeah, cool. Yeah. There was a quote that I really liked that I'll read. It's kind of about the awareness. That's another pretentious thing he talks about, kind of being aware to life and kind of getting past your prejudices. Or, you know, the the part of you that's like, oh, I know what things are. I know how the world works. I know what that is. You got to kind of like to uh, create inspiration or to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Encourage, inspire, yeah. initiate, yeah. inspiration 
turn that off and be alive to just the moment and not hindered by the past or worried about the future. Oh, okay. So the, the, the quote is, our, our moods and our beliefs dictate how the world will appear. We make creatures as much as we find them. A person who wishes for nature to rise pre uh, precisely to his most petulant desires will shrink it to a tiny mirror in which he sees only his pettiest parts. Hmm. That's very thought-provoking. It goes back to the old thing, uh, we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. Okay. So that's the gist. And the book's like, it's like 90 pages. Of no, stuff. but it's, it sounds like something when you read it, you're, you just kind of like ponder sections and it's not something you kind of fly through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It kind of, What I was thinking is how often are you surprised by the, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think we all have our set assumptions about how people act and how certain people will act or, or people we agree with or disagree with. And how often do you feel like you're surprised by like life? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it, we're in an age where we're like, we're, we, we're supposed to like have set opinions and like, does that make sense in, in a way? Yeah. What we're, and, yeah. And, but that's exactly what he's get Blake and Eric Wilson are getting at is be like, don't get set in your ways. Be open. Yeah. To, you will be surprised. Like you, you'll find, basically you'll find what you look for. Right. Mm -hmm. give people the benefit of the doubt even though you know some young punk on a skateboard looking at his phone yeah you know but if you know if you happen to interact you know there, there's more he's not just some airhead like you you know you yeah. let yourself be willing to be surprised and then you'll probably find it or just be more open and if you're not surprised and people really are just kind of you know no yeah that's a good uh Sounds interesting. What was the title of the book again? My business is to create. My business is to create. Which is a okay. William Blake quote. Like okay. That's people. If that was if that was your high school yearbook quote, I'd be like, ooh, man. Okay. Oh, I wish I didn't like I say I didn't understand Blake at all. No, that sounds interesting. Um, and then you have two books, right, that you checked out from the library. Yeah. Well, I, I'm getting into. I don't know how you feel about this the listener will feel about this, but I'm getting into books about movies. Oh Rain yeah. Goodfellas, right? Yeah. And so I went to like the section, not the new books, but you know, upstairs where they got the old books, but yeah, the yeah. Hollywood section. And I found two, two other books about like movies and stuff. And I'm oh, kind yeah. of, it's what I'm into now. So I kind of, are they oral histories or are they just, no. Okay. So one, and this is fun. This is like, I've been kind of just, Read, well, I should be reading other stuff, but I've been reading this because it's just entertaining. Yeah. It's, uh, it's called My Lunches with Orson. I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah. Orson Welles. Orson Welles, yeah. And it's so the it's edited by a guy called Peter Biskind. But what it is, they, there are these tapes. I think they're made in the 80s. Did they make a movie out of this? Maybe. Or, there's that a movie familiar. Richard yeah. Linklater did about Orson Welles. Okay which may or may not be related to this. I haven't seen it. But there's a guy, Henry Jaglum, who yeah. was a, a writer and he directed a couple of movies. He became friends with Orson Welles. And there were like these rumors that there were conversations taped between the two, you know, and they just had yet to be released. Somebody, this, this Peter Biskind um, got a hold of the transcript and he kind of, uh, 
you know, just so it's like transcripts of conversations between these two people. It's really fascinating. Hmm. Like Orson Welles is an interesting dude. And I don't know what it, it's just me being kind of where I am in life. I'm just fascinated by big fat bearded dude just kind of pontificating about their worldview. Like that was like Orson Welles. He was, I mean, he was pretty, I, I don't know a lot about Orson Welles. I think he was, you know, one of the titans of his time and probably arrogant and a lot of. Uh, he, he was, he, he, he was cocky. You get the sense he, he could be kind of prickly, but he's also kind of nice to people. He wasn't a total, but he's just, he was really, really talented, got really famous and, and had some hits young and then was kind of self-destructive and never kind of reclaimed oh. the peak of uh, his Citizen Kane. Yeah fame did you watch that movie that came out called mank i think it's about the writer i yeah i'm thinking it kind of ties in with that and some other stuff but yeah he was the co-writer of citizen kane okay i gather the movie mank kind of makes it seem like the mankowitz guy wrote the bulk of the script and the the legend has always been that Uh, wells is a genius i've never seen citizen kane i saw it once in college i was bored by it but I think I want to give it another chance. Uh, that, I mean, I don't know. I think that's funny because in college you feel like you're like at your peak of like thought or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of time where yeah, then you just kind of don't know anything. <laughs> you think you do. And there's nobody who can tell you otherwise. Yeah. Early thirties. And if you're lucky, you'll start realizing like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Experiences do actually matter. Even though, and you know, it's like, well, and it's also like, even when I was right, I was pretty insufferable. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, eh, I ability, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. No. Uh, and then you have another movie book or called Space Odyssey. It's behind the scenes making of 2001. Oh. Space Odyssey. So Kubrick. Kubrick, who I've been kind of getting into. I've had occasion, just kind of how it works when I'm looking after the kid and his napping patterns. Yeah. I've been able to watch a lot of movies lately oh, in nice. 45 minute chunks. Okay. But like I watch a lot more than I than I used to. So I've been going getting into uh Kubrick and uh, Orson Welles and you know stuff like that. So yeah. I have not seen I'm trying to think of I've seen a whole Kubrick movie. I've seen parts of Clockwork Orange. Yeah. I think I've seen parts of Eyes Wide Shut. Shut. Full Metal Jack. I remember when that came out. That's the first time I had heard of him because it was such a like. Me too. Me too, that's yeah. when he died, and then didn't he he die while they were making the movie, right? Or, a couple of days after. We oh. won't get into it here, but there's a lot of conspiracy theories around Kubrick, and one of them is the the rumor is there's an extended like an extra forty five minutes to an hour of footage. Yeah. Because he, he screened that movie for executives at Warner Brothers, and yeah. it's about this creepy, mystical occult that secretly runs things. And he screened his footage for me. He died like a couple days later, and then the movie that got released kind of doesn't make sense in parts. Like they didn't. There's 45 minutes that like they got cut and never showed up. It, it's it's really about the disillusionment or disillusioned marriage between two people, and. Tom Cruise and Cole Kidman and you know how legitimate was their marriage maybe based on some factors of Tom Cruise past kind of actors yeah actors and characters like Tom Cruise Tom Cruise Tom Cruise himself it's yeah. like a weird 
There's it's a weird time. movie because if you look at their their marriage soon ends after the movie. Oh, right? Okay, so I watched the Kubrick documentary. I think we're gonna get. I think we this is a rabbit about- hole, and I'm willing to go <laughs> down it because I'm probably want to read this this book. But uh, yeah, there Stanley Kubrick's daughter got into Scientology, mm-hmm. and he, like she didn't talk to him anymore, and it kind of broke his heart, and so like. Kubrick was supposedly really rough on Tom Cruise during that shoot. Yeah. Like kept him up, made him do like 95 takes to certain stuff and just really, and there's people who think like he was kind of getting back at Scientology or kind of poking at him. And it did kind of cause the dissolution of their marriage, but Hollywood marriages. Yeah. I always felt. I don't really, I care less about that, but it is interesting. He died like, five days after i didn't know about the movie being changed that's interesting. well there's there's footage that they haven't released okay but that i haven't seen that since high school and i remember not liking it i remember uh, i think i fell asleep i was just sort of like this is very i think i would enjoy it now artsy and i remember tom cruise like yelling on the side str- i don't know i can't remember yeah i remember walking angrily yeah he's very yeah anyway Anyway, um, yeah very good those sound interesting i'm still reading i kind of had a reading slump this week even though i had like a day off an extra day off because of the snow yeah no i just said i wasn't i was like my first reading slump of the year but today i, I picked up fingersmith by sarah waters the book i'm reading and i read a good chunk of that oh good she's really good with plot she's really it's really fun to watch her because that i'm about i have about 150 pages left and the central like mystery or like the the plot thing that's kind of driving it didn't really make sense for most of the for like half the book and i was like like why why are these characters doing it and then there's like this scene where like more of the story is revealed to our protagonist and i was like okay and now it makes more sense so it's like i thought she was just kind of like gonna leave the the motivations for the characters kind of like unfulfilled like you know why are they doing this but then she kind of slowly over time like shows more of like what's actually happening and it's kind of like oh there's a more there's more layers to the story than i was thinking originally and i was like oh this is that's really smart and good so so like she knew what she was doing yeah i i, I had this sense like you know it's like a mystery and the like characters are backstabbing each other sort of and the reasons why they're doing that didn't completely make sense. Okay. But then more of the stories revealed and it's like, okay, like there's a reason why it didn't totally make sense to you. So, and I was just impressed by that as a, as kind of like someone who obviously plotted their, their novel out before they started writing it, or maybe not, I don't know, but just has a good sense of like how to tell a story and keep a, um, yeah. I don't know, a reader engaged. So yeah, there's something to that. Just a well-told, intricate story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm very impressed. So that's what I'm reading right now, and uh, I feel like that'll get me out of my reading slump. Um, what else will get us out of a reading slump is picking our March book of the month. Uh, we each have three nominations. We will um, kind of pitch those books to each other, and then we'll pick a book at the end that we'll read from March. Are you ready, Matt, with your nominations? I'm ready. I am, yeah. So here's the thing. 
You may or may not like it. Yep. So the idea, like, it's, it's March 17th right now. Yep. So, which is fine. We're a little behind. Whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. still March. Don't, you know, don't make fun of us. It's fine. But I figure, you know what? Let, let's do, like, a slim, like, trade paperback. Good 200, 250-page okay. paperback that's, like, readable within a week. And, you know, it's it'll be fine. Yeah. But I had, like, 10. Like, I went around the yeah. house looking for stuff. It's like, man, it's hard to... Stop. I'll let you have more nominations because two of my nominations aren't really viable. One, I just want to bring to your attention as a book that sounds interesting. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so I said one like is this a project this... I want to do. So, okay. Okay. As of this morning, I had eight and it was hard for me. It's like, ugh, I, I, I broke it down. I couldn't, I couldn't do three. There's four. I have four. No, that's fine. No, I won't make well, a let, habit of it, but I have four. let me, let me do two books. One's a project I want to do because it's something I think we could do uh, and it would be fun. And that would be to, I think we've talked about this before, but I, I want to reread David Mitchell. So my first one would be ghost written. And I thought we could have maybe a series on David Mitchell where we kind of go through. Um, See, that counts. That would be tempting just to do. Yeah. But I'm hoping we could, yeah, it could be a Patreon thing or just a. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But. Okay. I don't know. I was looking at my shelves and like you, I was like, we don't have a long time left in the month, but I was like, David Mitchell, someone I, I want to revisit his earlier works in kind of, um, cause you know, as you read them and as he goes forward, it seems like his books, they're more interconnected and it wouldn't hurt mm -hmm. to like refresh your memory about how they're connected, I guess. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you. And then I'll do the second one. It's long. Um, so I was just looking at my shelves and I saw this book and I was like, I don't really remember buying it. And then when I was kind of doing some research about it, it's kind of like maybe not a cult classic, but it's um, some people consider it a classic of its time and whatnot. The book is called Bomber by Len Dighton, I believe is how you pronounce it. D-E-I? D-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's most known for his thrillers. Um also, a reason why this probably isn't a great selection, it's a hard book to find. But what I think it sounds interesting, if you're a World War II um, like historical fiction fan, it's a, the story of an RAF bomber's last um, like bombing run over Germany told from, sounds like the book alternates between a British perspective versus a German perspective all the way through the book. Um, and it, it's apparently like excellent. So fiction though? Fiction, yeah. Fiction. It the, the day it, it takes place over 24 hours and the day it happens is like I believe it's like July 31st or June 31st, a day that doesn't exist basically. Oh, I got Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. But it sounds really good. Interesting. I think it came out I want to say 1970. It could be wrong. But I don't know. Just something maybe at, at some point if you ever find this book um, I have a very old used copy from like the, the 80s, I want to say, but Bomber. I don't know. Cool. Um, you just wanted to, that's a sneaky way of bringing it to my attention. Just bring it to your attention. I'm a huge fan of World War II, sort of historical fiction. Yeah. Um, and I, when I was looking at my shelves today, I was like, you know, I, I bought this book. I don't know a lot about it. And as I was kind of like reading some more about it, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to read this book, but I don't know if it's really a good nomination so my first two nominations are sort of not nominations so 
Well, ghostwritten counts, but I like the idea. If, of doing if we that. don't pick one of your books, then you've picked some pretty bad books. Oh. <laughs> but I have one book that I actually will nominate as a. It's a viable option. It's a short book. Um, but how about you go first? Oh. Your first? Well, this this worked out. Okay. Worked out. Okay. The first one is um, actually I heard of it because I read an interview with David Mitchell. And he said, this book's excellent. I think yeah. it's written in the 20s. 20s. Called The Lolly Willows by oh. Sylvia Townsend Warner. Tell me more. I've never it heard of is, it. Um, let's see. It is a single woman struggle to break away from her controlling family. A classic story, which she treats with cool, insubordinate intelligence. And to which she adds a visionary dimension of the strange. And from what I gather, it is basically a woman who chooses to be single, you know, back in, you know, turn of the last century where that was kind of an eccentric choice. Yeah. And um, are you wearing uh, uh, bicycle shorts? No, I had to move. Those look like spandex bicycle shorts. I just realized I had to move my computer to get my, and those are, they're just normal shorts. Okay. (laughs) Pretty short. I could, they're just I'm just, I'm sitting on a couch, listener, and I moved my computer to get my notepad. And Matt, I just moved and just looking at my shorts. I got a pretty good crotch angle. Sorry about that. And Peter's wearing like pastel white <laughs> 1980s shorts. I'll take his word. They're not spandex, but they're pretty. They're not. They're golf shorts. What are you? Off white. Okay, golf shorts. It's funny because I have what I look like in the t- top thing. And I realized yeah. I'm like, oh, Mash just got go. Yeah, you're the big picture on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> now I understand. You're like, are you wearing? No, they're golf shorts. Uh, cheap, 25 bucks. Oh, nice. Nice. I have a white pair and I have a black pair. Any more questions? <laughs> you must have the heat on. I'm wearing sweatpants. I actually don't have the heat on. I don't know. It was warm today, yeah. No. I kind of like to wear shorts during the day. <laughs> uh, what's this? What's the book? Let's start so over. Essentially, this this woman, turn of the, like I think 1890s, 1900s ish, decides to be single and rather than deal with modern society and finding a husband, mm-hmm. decides to go out to the woods and basically become a witch. Oh, that's a distillation of it. I don't think it's like a fantasy. I think it's it's sharper. It's one of those like, I think you're inside the woman's head. Gotcha. It's like I don't know. It it sounds really good. It's been on my TBR forever. Can you say the title and the author again? Lolly Willows, but L O L L Y, and then Willows with two L's and an E. So W I L L O W E S. Okay. It is a, a fancy NYRB edition that I have. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're, yeah. Oh, you're playing to my, my that's going to win. I might have to select this just because I've never. Your face looks it. like Wesley when he hears like the bone jar rattling. Like, what? <laughs> so, like, huh? I'm struggling. I, should, I, I, I tilted my computer down while I grabbed my notebook so you could see my my golf shorts 
<laughs> at least you're wearing some sort of pants. <laughs> I, I thought of that. I was like, if I just didn't have pants on, you're like, hey, man. This, like whitey tighties. <laughs> let's just keep it. Uh, but no, NYRB is a great uh, yeah. publisher. Good. I, I've wanted to read it forever. David Mitchell pointed me that okay. direction. It's like just a little over 200 pages. Okay. So, yeah, I'm happy. So Holly Willows. Okay. Holly Willows. Interesting. Um, do you want to do another one? Yeah. Okay. This is the one I couldn't quite drop if okay. I was going to do three because it's St. Patrick's Day. And so I had to have at least one Irish, yeah, yeah, loosely Irish book. Have you ever heard of The Ginger Man? I don't know. JP Donlevy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. It uh, takes place in Ireland. Donlevy is an American, but he went to Trinity College in Dublin. And so this is his like, it's like kind of like Lucky Jim is like a, just a, a a romp through, you know, like kind of a a, a you know a, a entertaining but morally dubious character making his way through Ireland in the 1950s. Okay. Published in Paris in 1955, banned in the United States for a little bit. You can obviously get it now, but in the 50s, they banned it because it was so body. But uh, the cover is a guy with red hair holding a stout Irish, presumably Guinness, smoking a cigarette, um, looking a little bit like Conan O'Brien, mis <laughs> mischievous Conan O'Brien. Um, and all the quotes are like a wild, uh, wild and unpredictable outburst. Really funny. Like... The Ginger Man. Okay, I think that's a good nomination. I'm interested. Two good nominations from you. Um, my only sort of serious nomination. I don't remember reading this book, but apparently I did because I was when I was looking at. It, um, I made notes in it, and I read it during college. I had a, like an Eastern European fiction class. Um, mostly we, for half that class, we read the Magic Mountain. Uh, and then we had some like smaller works and this is one of them. Um, I think, I think I was pretty, I didn't know like the backstory to um, sort of the main character in this novel. Uh, it's kind of religious. It's Barabbas by Par Lakervist, a Swedish author. Um, do you know who the like the the story behind Barabbas? I know who Barabbas is. I don't, yeah. I've never heard of the author, but yeah, Barabbas is the guy. Pilate, Jesus is about to be crucified, mm -hmm. and the Roman prefect Pilate, kind of the story goes, he felt Jesus didn't deserve to die, so he let the crowd choose. Like I can release this man, or I can release Barabbas, and the crowd chose Barabbas. Yeah. So and, this this yeah. is the novel of Barabbas, sort of wondering why he was he was saved not jesus from barabbas's yeah point of view yeah okay yeah i like that uh, it's a uh, kind of uh i think of a novel of ideas a parable a lot of different ways of kind of like looking at it a lot of discussions i feel like but swedish guy swedish i have no idea how to pronounce it par p-a-r lager lagervist he won the, I think he won the Nobel Prize. He, he wrote another novel that was translated called The Dwarf. Um, but this is, I think, his most famous um, work. So. I've only read Swedish crime novelists, so I don't know. Hey, I don't know. But I feel like, you know, Barabbas, the, 
I think the story deals a lot with, I don't, to be honest, I don't remember anything. <laughs> I was like, like I said, I was looking through my shelves and I was like, have I read this book? And I was like, open, as I opened it up, I was like, oh, this is my handwriting all throughout this book. So that's interesting. I, am, <laughs> I have no recollection of it. So I, I can't answer any questions about like, is it good or not? But well, I should at least get the backstory. I grew up going to Sunday school. So that's why I thought you would know. Cause I feel like, you know, like ish uh, the story. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. But I thought, the, you know, it's kind of interesting topic and yeah, maybe we could, but all right. Uh, your last two nominations. Okay. We, you mentioned this one earlier. Did I? Coincidentally, I haven't read it or seen the very famous movie based on it, but I'm going to here soon. Yeah. Um, William Burroughs said, I do not know of any other writer who has done as much with language as Mr. Blank has done here. The fact that this is also a very funny book may pass unnoticed. And just judging from its reputation, I think it has. Because it doesn't strike. It's one of those, like, I know a lot about it from pop culture because the movie and the book. White Club? No. Older. But it's, it doesn't, people, you ask people on the street, they've definitely heard of it. But they wouldn't go, oh. Oh, Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. Mm. Yeah. Never read it. I figure it's about time. Especially, I'm going to get into Kubrick. So oh, that's an interesting nomination. Have you read it? Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. Who's that by again? Anthony Burgess. Anthony Burgess. Okay. So yeah. The movie was uh, I saw parts of the movie and I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Kind of scared me. I'm I'm curious <laughs> about the movie. But, okay. Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. That's a strong nomination. He have a lot of good choices here. These are all I I, they're all four really good. Okay. Uh, and your final nomination. Last one. Another David Mitchell-ish tie-in. It's not David Mitchell, okay. but it is where he got the idea to structure Cloud Atlas. Okay. So yeah, Cloud Atlas is, has a very unique well, structure in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like an accordion in a way. Yeah. So it's, it's if on a winter's night a traveler by Italo Calvino. Have you heard of this one? I have not. Okay, so it's basically 10 short stories, or not short stories, 10 different sections written by, from the perspectives of totally different people. And when you get halfway through a story, it abruptly transfers to the next one. Ooh, okay, so yeah, that's very much so like Cloud Atlas. Calvino doesn't wrap them up. Cloud Atlas, the stories kind of descend and he wraps them up. Mitchell does. Yeah. If on a winter's night a traveler, Calvino just kind of lets it, lets it hang and it moves on to another one. Um, it's been on my TBR forever too. It's supposed to be really good. People praise it. People still talk about it. Like I tweeted, um, cause I'm becoming Twitter master. Uh, my pile of like eight books that I had this morning. I couldn't yeah. decide. Yeah, I tweeted like, okay, deciding what to read next. And the few people that did respond, the one guy was just like, Calvino, you know. Okay. And somebody else said Lolly Willows, but okay. all, I'd be happy with any one of these. Like, yeah. The so Calvino one might be fun. If I'm not, I'd be fine with anyone. If we're going to do the David Mitchell thing, eventually the Calvino might be a good. 
Oh yeah, a good So, all right. So we have my one real one is Brabus, which I like the idea of that, but I don't know. Yeah, it's a little too. Frankly, didn't you're not doing a good pitch by just being like, yeah, we don't want to. Well, I don't know. You had a lot. I don't know. I just I don't know if the I I did have a good sell selling point of it. Um, I do. I kind of want to read it myself. I have no recollection of this book. And I also think it's an interesting concept of like this most famous story in human history told from this. From the other. Yeah. I I would actually be down. Um, Out of yours, Lolly Willows, The Ginger Man. I would say I'm torn right now between A Clockwork Orange and If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler. So Calvino and Burgess. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about Burgess. Like, um, I don't know if there's like a notion of what this book is, but I, I don't know. Like, I think in my mind, it was the this images from the movie of the guy in the white suit. I have the image of like the eyeball thing. And then they catch him and they force his eyeball open. That's kind of what comes to my mind. Which one of yours do you, are you most? Well, I those two, I'm down with those two. I, I might do what you're doing with Barabbas with Lolly Willows and just read it on my own. And then if we really like them, we can swap. It's true. Because I, I would read Barabbas if it's you tell me it's good enough or well done. Yeah. Because that's like an interesting book. Um. So. Let's see here. Clockwork Orange. Calvino or Burgess. Hmm. I'd go either way. I Come on. What what's your gut telling you? It varies. The Calvino would be good for rereading Mitchell. Clockwork or yeah. Clockwork Orange would be good for my Kubrick. Do you have both these books? Could you hold them up? I have both of them. Do you have any either of them? I have neither. Um there. So, so oh, wait, let me get my. I have the nickel that was in the fizzy water. Oh, let's like, do heads or tails. Heads or tails. Okay, you call heads or tails, and I'll flip it. Hey, we have to assign what what is heads or tails. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Just, it was heads. Ah, well, crap. Okay, <laughs> okay. So Calvino's heads. Okay. Tails. Okay. Okay. Here we All go. Right, I'm gonna flip it. The, the fizzy nickel heads calvino calvino we're reading if on a winter's night a traveler okay i'm excited it's a good choice i'm happy i'm happy with that okay that guy on twitter's gonna be happy too i'm gonna respond to him <laughs> he's like i flipped a nickel he goes what he's like it was, nickels, huh? it was sticky with fizzy water but not sticky i will say but that guess what we're reading the calvino yep so all right cool good. Good so uh if you've read this book let us know don't yeah. tell us what happens or do i don't I think that's part of the problem is we're going to want to know what happens and it's just a half told story. It sounds like a book we could talk a lot like there's a lot I, to talk about if yeah. the stories don't like end you know, yeah, yeah. End. so we could well, each of us come up with endings for it we could do that. And, and I will, I will get this reading. book this week. So. It, it should be a fairly quick read. Yeah. But I remember the interview I read with David Mitchell, he was saying like, yeah, I kind of, 
felt a little cheated by Calvino because he didn't wrap the stories up. So he... that's an interesting thing because it's a very much like an artistic choice to not think, end your stories. And I get the sense it's like a like meta, but not the cloying, annoying meta, but like a meditation on stories and art and the function of the author and blah blah blah. So we'll Sounds get like, into that. It's like a high degree of difficult difficulty, you know, like if you don't like if you don't. Sounds like he's like breaking rules, kind of, you know? Like, yeah, that kind of meta stuff. But I, I, they're supposed to be entertaining stories. They're not like, like he he hooks you and then. Okay. No, I like that. You know, I like purpose, that. So. Even if it's like kind of, maybe it doesn't work every time, but just the the risk taking in doing that is uh, kind of something I enjoy. So, all right. So that's March. What we're yeah. reading. Um, this week, any other books you have, just kind of like the movie books or anything else you have your eye on? Or I'm gonna try to finish. We're gonna I'm gonna finish the Goodreads one, um, or Goodreads, Goodfellas. Yeah, I was like, what I'm gonna make you watch. I'm gonna make you watch Goodfellas. And then, let's we'll know our next episodes. We're gonna be talking about uh, two Sherlock Holmes stories and then the Ursula K. Le Guin short story. Those were our February. So. Oh, and I have like. 10 page like i'm almost done with um somewhere in the dark by rj jacobs okay i'll have a mini review and we'll do our the, our new system we came up with about um, the academy award of, of books academy awards buy borrow bury all that all that fun stuff there's a punchable character <laughs> this book who i do not like i'm gonna I'm also going to be starting Dune, which is our seasonal book that we haven't really talked about. And I, I started that. I, I was like, okay, I got to get going on that. Okay. So I, I read the first chapter. Okay. I'm liking it. I could, I'm, I, I kind of laughed to myself because I, that just that first chapter, I'm imagining like a 20 year old you. And they're talking about all those like the celebration of Oshbagosh or whatever it was, like just the weird lingo. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, uh, you would not be into that, especially. I don't know what's going on. Did I tell you? Like, I had to buy a new copy because the copy I had, and I remember when I it, when I picked up my old copy, I, I was reminded of this. Whoever print made the edition I had originally, the the it's just like a mass market type size, but the the like the words go right into the spine of the book. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like almost impossible to read and i remember reading it and it just mean like a pain to read the book yeah and then also like i don't know i was i wasn't well versed and i'm not i'm more so now but like in in science fiction type stuff so i think there was a lot going against me liking that book at that time so um anyway. you're in a better place now i'm in a better place i'm wearing bicycle shorts I'm coming up with awesome ideas about snow robots and plots for movies. And it's just a lot of good stuff going on. So mm -hmm. I watched, uh, I, I watched a TV show actually during the, the blizzard about the Unabomber. Yeah. Um, or a documentary. Documentary is called like the Unabomber in its own words. And mm -hmm. uh, the main thing I took from it is they have like, this lady was like, interviewed him and they have the tapes or whatever his voice is not how i thought he would sound it's kind of high pitched less crazy or high it's high pitched it's kind of high pitched and whatnot and i was just like i don't know huh. i just watched it through 
And then also the other thing I learned is Unabomber. You know how they came up with that? It's the original bombs were sent to like universities and airline. Oh. So Una, like A, I don't know. Somehow I had that. Una for university and A for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Aviation. So. Oh, yeah. I watched The Master. Oh, uh, I, I saw that at the, I saw that in the theater. I had never seen it for whatever reason. It's good. I liked it a lot. It's very well acted. I, I like the I like the plot. I like what's going on. I that's one you could analyze over and over. Yeah, because there was a lot of there was yeah that was kind of a controversial movie too. There's a lot going on. Yeah, and, and when you talk about uh, Scientology, that has poking at it, but there's also um, yeah the relationship between those two guys. You know, they kind of both want to be each other, or yeah. they like aspects of each other you know yeah it, it's, it was good That's, i told the story to you about i saw that movie in the theater with like five people it was me and a couple other like oh people. nobody had yeah, nobody was in the theater and then like these two kind of you know middle-aged ladies who just on appearance didn't seem like this was like the type of movie you know whatever but yeah good for them for watching it but then like yeah. an hour and a half into the movie they just start talking really loud <laughs> I'm yeah. I was like, "What's going on here?" And you hate that. That's your pet peeve, right? It's one of my biggest pet peeves. I hate when people talk in movies. Did you yell at the old ladies? Some other guy did, and I was like, "Thank you." Oh, good. Yeah. Even though I hate it, I'm not gonna be like, "Can you please stop, dude?" Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know people. I don't want to ruffle some feathers. But I was like, "What is happening here?" The other time I remember it being really bad is I went to the movies with the family and we saw October Sky. Yeah. And just as loud as we're talking right now, talking about like, is he becoming a scientist? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. My, yeah. I, my favorite one, and this isn't an annoyance, it was hilarious. Uh, the wife and I, that first Star Wars that they redid. Okay. I don't even remember what it's called, but it was like, you know, 2016, whenever that came out. Yeah. Um, the one main guy, not the girl, but the main guy, the John Boyega character is running through the desert, you mm -hmm. know, and they stop and he's kind of breathing heavy. And then like, there's a close up of his face and it was a Saturday matinee. So there's a lot of moms taking their kids and a little kid go on that shot when he's close up breathing heavy. So a little kid goes, he's sweaty. <laughs> just really the whole theater cracked up was like, oh, true but, i mean that's funny but yeah, no, I normally it. i hate talking in, in, in theaters yeah. anyway uh the listener can get in contact with us uh through all the normal social media programs if you will instagram at there will be books email at What's our email account? Will be books. Will be books at gmail.com. Send us send us those emails, those questions, those observations, those book reviews, anything you like. Uh, we're also on Twitter. Master of Twitter is Matt. Uh, you have to be nice to him or else he will block you. I haven't had to block anybody yet. Because it's stay away from politics and stuff. There you go. You just talk, talk to us about books. I was yeah. happy people responded to my Calvino. My little tweet. Oh, and that, my cat just jumped out. <laughs> scared the crap out of me. Uh, we also have a Ko-Fi page where you, it's kind of like a way to support us uh, through a tip. 
And then we also have our Patreon account, which we will start having episodes here. Um, we're always coming up with ideas. We just need to get it done. We're doing good, fellas. We're busy, guys. So if you get mad at us, just know that we're busy. I'm, I'm busy coming up with ideas. Matt's busy watching movies and watching his son. <laughs> but no, we're going to do it. It'll be probably Goodfellas. Goodfellas. A movie I have not seen. Yeah. What if I don't like it? Then we'll talk about it. Okay. It's going to be, among other things. Matt, what's the next science experiment you're going to do? I don't know. I got a penny steeping in some some water now. So, yeah. All right. Any any uh, lasting thoughts? Any words of advice for the listeners? I actually have a good quote from the book I was talking about, the William Blake book I was talking about earlier. Okay. It's good. It's serious. I'm ready. But I like it, and it's actually it's it's the guy Eric Wilson quoting C.S. Lewis, but it kind of fell into what he's talking about. He's talking about C.S. Lewis's conception of joy versus pleasure. And joys is like the little things that make life worth living, right? Yeah. So it's Lewis characterizes this joy as that unnameable something, desire for which pierces us like a rapier at the smell of bonfire, the sound of wild ducks flying overhead, the title of the well at the end of the world, the opening lines of Kubla Khan, the morning cobwebs in late summer, or the noise of falling waves. Just like here's the yeah, Very good. Where joy comes. Joy sneaks up on you in those quiet little. I read that. I finished the book and I read it. I was like, oh, that's a good quote. I wrote it down, and it was the morning before the blizzard happened, and so everything was overcast and it looked like autumn, even though it was spring. So it was like an autumn, like my favorite time of year is autumn. It was like a cool mist. No one was out and about. It was, it was, it was one of those cool moments. Like I, I had just read that quote. I was like, oh. Here it is. Nice. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's it's sentimental. It's but, different uh, than, uh, than your normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, good to hear. So until next time, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>